Welcome back to the End Time Podcast. We're so happy you decided to join us again for this episode. And last episode, we were discussing the question around if William Branham is the Elijah of our day, what vindication does his ministry have of this claim? And we left off talking about how the message that God brings in a day is always backed up by supernatural signs. How when God sends sends a message, that is God revealing himself in that day, that this is who I am today. And even we could go back into, as we as we talked about Moses, and Moses was given a message of deliverance to go and deliver the children of Israel. But God didn't just leave him with just words to speak that were just nice words and great words of deliverance, but he also gave him two signs. And the two signs were the rod in his hand that he could throw down on the ground, it would become a snake, pick it up again by the tail, it would become a rod again. Also, the sign of the the hand where he would take his hand, put it in his bosom, pull it out, become leprous, put it back in, pull it out, it would become clean. And these were signs that were sent to vindicate the message of that day. That yes, God in fact had come down to deliver his people and he sent Moses and and it it had to be God because it was incredible that God would send a man that just 40 years earlier had murdered someone in front of the very people that he was going down to deliver and they believed him because it was God backing it up because God's not looking at what we've done and the mistakes we've made Mm mm-hmm and this isn't just any man. This is Moses who God said, if there's a prophet among you, I'll make him known unto him in dreams and, and in visions. But not so with Moses. With Moses, I speak mouth to mouth. I, I talk directly to Moses. God had this kind of relationship with a man. Had a history that maybe was colored or people wondered about his past. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's phenomenal to me to, to think of this, that the power of God, that if God in God's choosing of his man, it's not how we would choose men. God gave Moses. He was a proper child. He was born under a sign. God chose him regardless of the mistakes he made for the right time that God wanted to bring him, bring the message in his life. And it's, it's so similar to William Branham in our day who was born under a sign in 1906 that when he was born, there was a light that came down in through the open window and it came down to witness of his birth. And it didn't matter from that time the mistakes that William Branham would make because in the timing that God was ready to use him to bring the message, God would use him and God would come down and vindicate it and back it up. And to, to even take a step further back from that, to go back into what the word vindicate means because to vindicate something means to prove it or to justify it. To, to vindicate something means, means to prove it to be true. So God then proving something to be true, what it is, is he, God sends a message and God needs a man to preach the message. As Brother Max was saying in the last episode, he could have used angels, but he didn't. He used men. He always has down through ages. And as he uses men, we often get our eyes on the man looking at him, but God isn't vindicating the man with great supernatural signs. God's vindicating the message with great supernatural signs. He's showing that what this man is saying is the truth. God uses our hands, our feet, and he he picks particular men for particular seasons and times. That message, just like we could say Moses' message was preaching Jehovah, and 
I believe that Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus Christ of the New. Amen. We've talked about the Godhead before, and that's a, a great episode to refer back to. The message today is Jesus Christ. And in this last day, he chose a man named William Branham, just like the prophet Paul was, to be a prophet in this last day, to forerun, I believe, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Paul, just like Isaiah, just like all these men that would reveal Christ or Jehovah, but it's the same one, exact same one, in a different dispensation in time to the people. I just want to bring something, because you brought up Paul. What did Paul do before God met him on the road to Damascus? Paul had a, an interesting past and an interesting history, if you want to take a look at it. Um, he started out as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. They're the ones that killed Jesus. Um, a, a teacher of the teachers, um, raised up under Gamaliel, I believe, and uh, he would have been well-studied, well-tutored. I think the Pharisees or the Sadducees, or there was different ones, there was a group that was known for being able to take a scroll and put a pin right through it and know exactly which letters they hit as they went through. And he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, so hmm. he knew the scrolls of the day, and he was the one that was directly persecuting the Christians of the day, those that were following Jesus. He would call himself a blasphemer. He, he consented to the death of Stephen, consented to the murder of, of an early martyr of church history. And yet God went past all of that dark checkered past and questions around this or that. And all the people of the day would have questioned and said, where did this guy come from? What's going on? Like he was the one that persecuted us and yet God chose him. And it wasn't about the man. It wasn't about Paul now. It was God that came and so took a surrendered man vessel, struck him down on the road to Damascus. He said, who art thou, Lord? Recognizing this has got to be God talking to him. And he says, I am Jesus. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And those three days of blindness let him start to wrap his mind around what had been going on. And God so used him for a generation, and not just for a generation, but an age. And then through him, God brought the message for that age. Yeah. Uh, the bulk of the doctrine of the New Testament was opened up through Paul. Jesus had yeah. brought the, new, the, the message, but now Paul came down and began to expound what Jesus Christ had done and had brought what what would happened on the cross mm -hmm. jesus paul would write i believe paul was the writer of the hebrews he would write and be able to divide law from grace mm -hmm. and begin to bring the message of the day some people might say well you know a, a new testament prophet would only be an apostle or something like that to some effect and but no a prophet is a prophet old testament and new testament paul had a gift that was able to he would say that he he went up to the third heaven that was a special place to be. He, 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 would, he would have words that would speak that would have been equal to Scripture. It, it wasn't just that he had inspired words or nice sermons, but what he spoke was now recorded in the Scripture. And, and Peter would say, all Scripture is given for inspiration, for proof, for doctrine. It was the inspired word of God. He was not just an apostle. He was a prophet. He was a true word prophet in every sense of the word. And now when he came, he brought a message that would make up a good chunk of the New Testament or the, maybe the bulk of the New Testament, yeah. the Bible that we have today through a New Testament prophet. Now that word was lost through dark ages. And as Jesus Christ would come to return, there was a need to restore. It's, it's good because I would look at this and say, you know, the, the question's been asked many times, can a prophet make a mistake? Okay, um, the first answer I want to say is no. The second answer I want to say is yes. Okay, and here's, here's why. Scripturally, 
and we know this Bible is the absolute. No, the prophet cannot make a mistake in prophecy. When he says, thus saith the Lord, it's right. And if they prophesy something false, then we know not to believe them. However, a prophet is a human, and a human can make mistakes. There was a lot of difference between David under the anointing writing Psalms and David and Bathsheba. A prophet can live a life that maybe he makes a mistake, like I brought out about Paul who was a prophet, but yet he persecuted the real Christians. Moses, who made mistakes, he, he killed a man. He was raised up in the house of Pharaoh. I'm sure he made a lot of mistakes, but yet he was still the prophet of God. These men made mistakes. It didn't mean that God wrote them off, but a prophet in not making a mistake means he cannot make a mistake in the word of the Lord. That's where he does not make a mistake. And we need to be able to look at it and rightly divide between the man and God in the man. As I left off the last episode with, I would like people to see Jesus in me. So I want to be able to look at somebody else and see what's Jesus in them and what's just them. Whether that be just Brother Max here sitting next to me, or whether that be Brother Branham, or whether that be Elijah in the Bible, or, or whatever example you want to put to it, we have to recognize we're human beings. We make mistakes. We trip and fall. And that ought to be freeing to everyone listening to this, the fact that we're all going to make mistakes. But God isn't looking at our mistakes and saying, oh, you're, you're no good now. You're, you're written off. No, he has grace. This is for free. But if you're raised in a church or you attend church yourself, you'll see the humanity of your church members all around you all the time. And there can be a lot of things that come up and tensions as iron sharpeneth iron. So a brother sharpeneth another. We have to get past that and see Christ yeah. behind us, exactly behind behind each other. But but to get to the point, you're exactly right, brother John. And to get to the point of vindication, though, um, because even Jesus, if, if there was one man that we couldn't look at and we can look at, because he was perfect in all of his ways, and yeah. that was the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus says in John chapter ten and verse thirty, he says, "I and my Father are one." He makes this declaration. And the very next verse says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. So immediately because he made this statement, they wanted to kill him. But Jesus brings it about this way, and Jesus answered them and said, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? In other words, he's saying, There's been vindication that what I'm saying is true. So which of these vindications are you stoning me for? There's been many proofs that I and my father are one. And I'm telling you to you now very plainly, and now you want to kill me. Uh, it's been proven that I'm true and I'm right. I'm making a statement. So the statement's true and right. Otherwise, God wouldn't be backing me up. I'd be a liar and God would stop me from lying like this. Exactly. Therefore, it's true. And, and even it would even go further because the Jews would answer him saying, for good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy and because thou being a man makest thyself God. And Jesus answered them and said, is it not written in your law? In the Bible, in the scripture, I said, ye are gods. If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father hath sanctified, and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not the works of my Father, then don't believe me. In other words, if my ministry is not vindicated, then sure, don't believe me. He says, but if I do... 
though you believe me not, believe the works, that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. That's exactly what we're, we're, we're trying to make the point of here, that in all of our lives, we want to see Jesus. And even if you don't believe what I'm saying, I hope you can see the heart and the intent that's coming out through it. But let's take it beyond just the individual. Let's go back into prophets again and talk about the ministry of William Branham. There's many, many critics of the things that he has said, but yet they, they almost want to pick up stones and stone him because of what he said and stone the message. But yet, let me ask you, for which good work do you stone him? Because there's been many things. And there was, there was even in his ministry when he was here, God began to show him visions and began to show him dreams and began to speak to him in his life from a very, very young age. And all through his early years, he was told by ministers, by people he looked up to, by those around him, that it was of the devil. But one day he got real serious with God because he didn't desire to be at all influenced by the devil. So he got himself alone in a cave and he began to seek the mind of the Lord. He began to pray and get himself out of the way and say, God, if these things are of the devil, take them away from me. I don't want to see any of these things. I don't want visions. I don't want anything. I just want truth. If it's not with the Bible, I don't want it with me. You see, even he was looking at it saying, the word of God is my absolute. So Lord, if you can't show me this in the Bible, take it away from me because it's false. But an angel of the Lord came in the room, in the cave with him, and began to show him in the scripture exactly what he was experiencing. And that's what gave him a confidence that what it was doing was vindicating what he'd heard when he was just a little boy that said, do not smoke or drink or defile your body in any way because when you are older, I've got a work for you to do. And he even tried to smoke. He tried to drink, but there was something that kept him holy. He wasn't perfect. He made mistakes in his life, but God would only let him go so far because he had a work for him to do. So now William Branham would come and he would have a a ministry that would go and it would start. There was, there was a, a time where he was baptizing on the Ohio river and maybe we'll cover that some more at some time in 1933. Um, but his ministry would grow through the 40s, through the 50s, and it would begin to be recorded. In, in, in 1947, the first at the time would have been like reel-to-reel tapes that would have been made, and that were, they were, would start to record his meetings as he would go, and he would preach up till 1965. He would pass away after a, a car accident. Um, but in that time, he would preach, and there was about 11, over 1,100 sermons that are recorded now. And in it, you'll hear his, him preaching but also at the end of many sermons or as a part of many sermons, he would hold prayer lines. It was part of, if you know your church history in the, in the 1900s, there was a great healing revival that would go forth. But William Branham was, was, was a, a founder and a founding evangelist, I'll use that term, in that time that set forth the healing revivals. But there was something special about Brother Branham because as, as Brother Andrew said, he, he could see visions. In that cave going back to when the angel met him in the cave, he was told that first he would have a a sign in his hand that he could, with his left hand, with his left hand, he could grab the other person's right hand. hand. So he was in the cave. 
he was told by the angel, if you could grab the other person's right hand with your left, a vibration would begin to flow through your hand and arm. And, and, and he learned to be able to diagnose and tell what diseases were there. And then there was also, uh, I would say, a, a gift of faith that came with him, uh, that, 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 a gift of faith that was given to Brother Branham, that as he would pray for the sick, demons would be cast out, people would be healed. That wasn't just Brother Branham, I'll say it this way, because he would even teach and preach that the gift of healing was to any minister, mm-hmm. and even to anyone that believed, because Mark 16 says, These signs. These signs shall fall then to believe. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. And so with his particular ministry, he was given that sign gift ministry, just like Moses had a, a sign in his hand as he put his hand in his bosom but and that, pulled out. That sign, sorry to interrupt again, but that sign was, was there to raise the faith of the people. Yes. So that way they could see as he was looking at his hand and showing them, for example, oh, you have tuberculosis without them saying anything. And then they would realize, okay, this is, God is here. He knows what I have. He knows what's going on. And then he would pray and to give them faith that they had been healed, the vibrations and and whatever was in his hand would begin to dissipate and disappear. And would even sometimes would change color, puff up, get red, different things. So that way it would be uh, very visible to the individual. We can interject and say a, a demon, sickness, all these things. What, what a sickness is, it is a demon, yeah. and it's a life. And so he could see that that life was active, and then the, the life was dying or, or expelled, if you could say it that way, or being expelled from the other person. The next sign that was given him was that you would even know the secrets of the heart. It sounds a lot like Jesus when he would look at someone and, and, and know their past or know their future. And he would have visions, you know, the person would maybe, as it's described, and if it's, uh, the, the, sorry, and the second, he would see visions. And, and maybe I'll just interject for a quick moment to, to share this with you. There is an incredible book series that was given called The Signs of the Supernatural by a man named Owen Jorgensen. And these are books that you can order online that cover the biography of William Marion Branham from his birth yeah. all the way to his death. Yeah. If you're interested in a further deep dive, and we'll, we'll be diving in in this podcast, but even more depth, that six-part book series is something I recommend you go and read. Yeah, and we'll link it. That. We'll send a link. We'll put a link <laughs> yeah. on, on the I'll podcast. Just say, even if you just want some good reading. Even if you just want some good reading. It's yeah. some of the most incredible, captivating biography books, biography you'll probably ever read. It's his life was a supernatural life that I think. Um, since you know, it might be a strong statement to say, but since the time of Jesus had never been before. Amen. After Jesus, there hadn't been such a ministry mm-hmm. until Brother Branham came on the scene. Amen. You know, he wasn't. You could clearly see, like if you go back and listen to these tapes as we're talking about, or even you know, as these books and uh, listen about his life story. You could clearly see that a man can't do this. No. No way a man could do this. Most there must have been something behind that was greater yeah. than a man. In the book it would describe how a vision would break forth and the person would kind of shrink away shrink and away. he would begin to see what their situation was or their past was or their fear was or where the disease started or what they had, what they were praying for. He would set up a prayer line and they would come through and, and, and he would meet with them on the stage at his revivals that he would hold. And 
I want to say this because in this age of proofs and news and people say fake news and this and this, there are 1,100 tapes that were recorded and quite a number of them include these prayer lines. And you can hear for yourself as he would call a prayer line and as people would come time after time after time, I've never met you before. Do you know that? You know, maybe raise your hand if you know that. And then he would begin to break into another channel and tell them their situation, just like Jesus Christ would have done. Just like Jesus would have done. And the, I'm not saying he's Jesus. No. We've been clear about this building <laughs> up to, clear. he had a gift. Yeah. We let, had, me just, he, let me just recount it to you. I, I know maybe it takes time, but let me recount to you a story as, as even William Branham would tell it, as the first time this gift um, or this sign happened was in 1949 in Regina, Saskatchewan. And he says that he was standing on, on the platform talking like he would to any audience. And they were having a great meeting. And he says, I guess close to 10,000 people were gathered in that night, that pavilion at the Queen's Gardens in Regina, Saskatchewan. Out there, they was having a stampede. Brother Branham was speaking and he said, now the Lord has told me that if I would be sincere and someday I, I did at each meeting, it would come to pass that the secrets of the people's heart would be told. That's the second sign showing that what he's preaching, the message he's preaching is the truth. And he says, I turned around to get a drink on this little platform and they was forming the prayer line. And when I turned around to get a drink, Reverend Mr. Baxter, my Canadian manager at the time, I was taking a drink of water and he'd taken his handkerchief and just wiping the perspiration off of my forehead. I said, God bless you, Brother Branham. I said, thank you, Brother Baxter. So think of this just in the humanity as he's standing there up at the platform and he's preached and he's sweating and the manner of forming a prayer line and he's just turning to get a drink of water and here his manager at the time helps him out and almost like a boxer in a ring, you know, wipes the sweat <laughs> off his brow and, you know, get, gets him ready for, for what's about to come. And he says, and I turned around and he walked around and there stood a lady standing by the microphone, had been brought up from the prayer line. And I walked over and I said, looked at the lady and I said, how do you do? And she said, how do you do? And then something happened. I knew there was something that happened somewhere. I never felt it like that before. Remember, this is the first time that this sign took place. He said, it was that anointing. It doesn't feel like the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a real sacred feeling. I looked at that woman and she was standing there, her regular size, and I seen her get real little and start going back. And now you'll hear that spoke right here. And I seen that little bitty girl standing way down there where she downed to just a little bitty girl about 12 years old. And I seen her sitting by a desk. And I said, something's happened, friends. As Brother Brandon is describing what's going on. He says, something's happened, friend. I see a little girl. The woman left me. So he's in a vision now. When he says, I don't, in other words, I don't see this woman anymore. I see a little girl now. Mm -hmm. He's describing the vision that he's seeing. He says, I, the woman left me. I see a little girl. She's sitting in the room, a, a school room. She's hitting her pencil. No, it's a pen. Oh, he says, I, I see it fly. And it struck her in the eye. And the woman, now this is the woman in front of him, not the woman, not the little girl he's seeing, but the woman in front of him begin to scream. And the vision left. And she said, Brother Branham, that was me. I'm blind in my right eye. And Brother Branham said, well, I, I never had anything like that. And there she went back again. After that, 
she screamed and she told him that was me. And then now here we went back into the vision again. She says, and I seen a young lady about 16 years old and she was just running just as hard as she could. She had a big ribbon tied in her hair on a, on a devil plate hanging on her back. And she had on a checkered dress and she was running real fast. And I looked and there was a big yellow dog chasing her. And I said, I see a young lady with a checkered dress begin to tell you just what I was seeing. Looking in front of me, I said, she goes up on the porch. I see a lady there, take her in. And she started screaming again. She said, that was me when I was going to school. Said, I never thought of it before in my life. I said, something's happened here, friends. I don't know what's the matter. And I started, I said, let me have your hand, sister. See, now he goes back to the first sign. And as I was looking down at her hand, I looked up again and I seen the lady coming from the white house or from a barn, red looking barn coming in towards a white house. And she had on an apron holding something like this and she was walking slow and I seen her come. So now he says, I'm holding on to her hand, but even though he's holding her hand for the first sign, the second sign comes back again and he starts seeing another vision of her coming out of a red barn into a white house. I said, I see a lady coming, sister, it's you. That was the normal time then I could recognize it being the same woman. And I said, now I see the lady. So think about she was old enough that when Brother Branham seen her as a little girl, with a pen striking her eye and blinding her right eye, or when Brother Benham seen her as a 16-year-old girl, he didn't recognize it was this lady. But now he sees a vision of her now, just recently, where he recognizes this is the lady. That was the normal time. Then I could recognize it being the same woman. And I said, now I see you, the lady. You've started up the steps. And I said, there's a flower bed over to your right. And steps goes up like this. There's something wrong with your back. I see you can't get up the steps. You lean over sideways and you're crying. And I heard her say, oh, if I could just get to Brother Bantam's meetings, it'd be over. So here she is <laughs> in the vision, Brother Bantam seeing her say, if I could just get to Brother Bantam's meetings, it would be over. And when I said that, somebody caught the woman because she started fainting right there on the platform. And when she come to, her blind eye was normal. Her back could just move any way. Her arthritis was fine. She could move her back any way, just perfectly normal. I said, well, something has happened. Think about this for a minute. Everybody's screaming all over the building and everything going on and it raised the faith of, of so many people that Brother Branham would even say, I heard crutches rattling and I looked and here come a young fellow saying, Brother Branham trying to hobble on his crutches said, tell me what to do and I'll, I'll be healed. <laughs> that here, it wasn't anything to do with Brother Branham as he's describing it. He's saying something happened. I, in other words, this isn't me anymore. Yeah, This was something else taking over. This was another sign here to vindicate that what I'm saying is the truth. Because God will not vindicate a lie. That's right. And the devil is a impersonator. And he will have certain things and certain signs and people do certain things. There's witch doctors, there's witchcraft, there's magicians, there's all kinds of things where they do things that are incredible to the eye and make you go, wow, that's absolutely incredible. But there's two things they will always do. Number one, they won't point you to Christ. That's good. And number two, they will not be 100% accurate. That's right. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. But here we have a man on so many tapes, nearly 1,200 recorded messages, and in almost every single one of them, there is some kind of healing. It's some kind of supernatural vindication that 
this is the truth. There was a sign in the hand where he would take them by the hands we described. There was the, the visions that he would see before him. And it wasn't just when people would come up in the prayer line. If you listen to the tapes, you'd recognize sometimes it would be a light would move out over the audience and he would call somebody out way out in the back of the audience and say, you back there in a red dress with a little hat on, please stand up because you've got this problem and that problem and the Lord's speaking right now. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And he would see if they were healed or not and immediately say, you caught it, God bless you, and they would be healed like that. Sometimes you'd hear them even in the tape screaming in the background because God had just touched them and healed them of whatever their, their, their ailment was, whatever their problem was. And sometimes it wasn't even for them because the people would come up for other people. And, and many times in the prayer line or discernment out in, the, out in the audience where all of a sudden it would be, you're not here for yourself, you're here for your, I, I, I see another man and he looks like this and this and this and that. And, oh, it's your husband. Or, and he would even tell someone, this is your address. This is exactly where you live at. And all of these things were done to raise the faith of the people to believe that what this man was telling you is the truth. This is the message. This is God revealing himself in this day. As it was with Jesus, it's a sign that went forth first. Yeah. To catch the attention of the people. And yeah. so it was with the ministry of Brother Branham. The sign went forth, catching the attention of the people. Thank you so much for listening today. Feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions you'd like us to answer, or you'd like us to get into in, this, in the Bible, in the Scripture, or in regards to prophets. Contact us at etpodcast at etmtab.com. Follow us on Instagram at endtimepodcast.